guys welcome to let's fucking talk i'm lauren and i am like i am so fucking annoyed (laughs) so as you guys know i use the anchor app for all my recordings and for the most part besides like little normal technical glitches It's been great. I can record on here. It distributes my podcast to all the platforms without me doing literally anything. But, hold on. Our co-host, Sage, has arrived. Come in. Yep. Okay, take your time. Great. So, anyways. Anchor has been great up until recently. And I recorded three interviews, essentially back-to-back, Um, For the next upcoming three weeks. And I started editing them. Which my editing is very minimal. I just basically clean up the beginning and the ends of the interview. And then everything else in between is just a flowing conversation. As you guys know. Well let me tell you. (laughs) The audio is fucked up. And it could be much worse. So I'd like to say thank you to the gods and the universe that... It's not worse. You know, we got to practice gratitude, right? But, bitch. (laughs) Editing on this app is very irritating. It's not very high-tech or sophisticated. So it's just, like, truly cutting up the episode into 9 million pieces and then trimming those pieces. So basically what the audio did for these interviews is... When my guest would stop speaking, I was always delayed. So it's like a 10, that's dramatic, a three second pause and then I would start talking. And then their audio was like sped up almost. So by the time I'm at the end of me wrapping up, uh, you know, answering back to them, their voice comes in and it sounds like, I have the rudest guests of all time and like they're just openly speaking over me, which absolutely did not happen. So it was just a lot of trimming and luckily it's just a few seconds here and there. So nothing of, there's not any bulk pieces missing from the conversation. All the same pieces are there, but I just had to share with you guys. You know, I like to share with you guys and that's this week's little bump in the road. That being said, Today's guest is Serena. She is a mindset mentor, a public speaker, a coach, and I want to address something before this interview begins. Um, As someone who prides themselves on being malleable and open to different perspectives, I very much had a perspective change during this episode that I'd like to address. So as you guys know, I am getting my life coach certification. I actually start, actually by the time this comes out, oh, it comes out, this episode comes out on the day I'll be starting my life coach certification. How exciting. Um, Obviously this interview is pre-recorded, so there's a point in the interview where I say that I start in a couple weeks, so don't get confused. I start today, but I have talked about that on here, and something that I talked about was a conversation with a life coach who basically explained to me the certification and the lack of regulation in life coaching. Um, Basically, that anyone can go on Instagram and put life coach on their page and literally start practicing as a life coach and charging clients. So... I stated very strong opinions about making sure that the people you work with are certified and have the proper training. And in this episode, you will hear that Serena did not go through 
a specific life coach certification, but you will also hear that she is incredibly intelligent, very well educated, and has gone through her own experiences, which really at the end of the day is the number one teacher of lessons. So I want to soften my stance on (laughs) certifications and licenses. Um, I am just a particular type of person. I like certifications. I like degrees. I like studying. I like homework. Um, So that's what's right for me. That's my path on this road. Her path is different and it is truly not of any less value. Um, She has very obviously done her own training or educating herself in breath work, inner child work, so there is nothing that she is short of. So I just want to be clear on that because I have talked about that on here. So that's my little prelude to the conversation. But without further ado, here is Serena. Hope you guys enjoy it. Hi, Serena. Hi. How are you? I am doing just fabulous. How are you? I am great. So we discovered each other through Instagram, as I seem to find most of my guests nowadays. (laughs) And we were kind of connected through Sean, who's uh, the fitness shaman on Instagram. Uh, Basically, you saw him and I's episode together and reached out and I started following you. I loved your page. And then I wanted you on. So now we're here. Yes divine as always. I love it. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for doing this. So I want you to tell us what you do. I know you are a mindset coach, but I want you to um, elaborate a little bit on that and then we'll get into more of your background. Absolutely. So yeah, just like you said, mindset coach slash mentor. I'm leaning more into that mentorship space um, and I'm a public speaker. Essentially, while this you know, world has become so beautifully saturated by humans who are able to do a plethora of things. I've found my little corner of the sky, corner of the world, um, where I, I feel really empowered by empowering others to reprogram who the world taught them to be and instead step into, you know, their most truthful and authentic self. I love that. Now, we like to focus on mental health over here. So I would love to know about your background with your own mental health. We can go back to childhood. Were you raised in a home where these things were prioritized and that's how you got into the space? Or was it kind of the opposite where these things weren't prioritized and you had to go on your own mental health journey, which then led you here? Which which one was it really? So for me, I'm first generation born in the United States. So both of my parents are immigrants um, and they come from, you know, a background where you had to grin and bear it. Um, I'm Armenian. So culturally and like intergenerationally, we have um, we've experienced a lot of oppression. And unfortunately, in the last year, we actually, you know, I've seen my own, you know, motherland go through that again. Uh, and so for us, you know, mental well-being is our greatest chance at survival. Um, but in saying that, we've unfortunately conditioned ourselves to work through the muck, like work through the suck in a way that's not beneficial for us, in a way that makes us hold on to all of that trauma and those narratives that, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't need to carry anymore. So when, you know, growing up, I was a very anxious kid. um, And, you know, I had, you know, anxiety and and panic attacks since a very young age. I was afraid of sleeping, like just every, like I just, I got a lot of things on my, um, on my docket when I was younger. Um, And my mom has suffered from anxiety and um, small bouts of depression here and there as she had gotten older. And so it was, it kind of had a familiar face for me, but again, with her, with the family that she grew up in, it wasn't something that was really understood. It was really just brushed under the rug. Um, And my father is very lucky. He has never had to deal with these sorts of things. 
Um, so kind of seeing me evolve through, you know, being a teenager and it getting worse and worse. Um, and then when I went out to college and came back, I suffered a lot of depression. Um, you know, I'll put a trigger warning. I did have, you know, suicidal ideation and thoughts. Uh, and that was uncharted territory for my entire family. And so even to this day, it is not something that anyone in my family or extended feel comfortable talking about. And so it, it's not something that I was able to uncover or learn about better through guidance. I had to do it all on my own, which I do appreciate. And I think there's, you know, a certain amount of value attached to that because I have been able to discern what works the best for me. And to wrap up this question, um, for so many years, I was trying to hide the fact that I was, you know, dealing with this and trying to think it was just because I was weak and I couldn't, I, I should get past this on my own. It shouldn't be this hard for me. I didn't have a traumatic childhood or anything that should have caused me to feel the way that I did. And I just put a lot of pressure on myself. And then as I began to find my own ways of healing, and I leaned into all of these different spaces and containers of healing that is not something that my doctor prescribed to me, essentially, um, I began to find not only my own peace and freedom, but also what lights me up. And as much as I tried to push away this gift that I'd been given of this, you know, very dark opportunity to serve others in this way and to allow others to feel guided and empowered and healed, I kept pushing that away until pretty much about, I mean, even right now, I'm really stepping into it even more and more. Um, but I really figured out that it was, you know, for lack of better words, like my purpose here and, and what I get to kind of share. And so now I've just been so humble to be able to, you know, devote, again, very strong word, but to, again, to, to devote myself to giving people that space to allow themselves to be their, their greatest healer. And it, in turn, I get to continue to do the healing work for myself. And it's just a beautiful cycle. That is amazing. Yes. And I'm so glad that you are someone who's using your own personal struggles and kind of converting that into helping others maybe avoid or at least navigate through similar issues. Like that's, I think, I think that's all of our purposes, obviously just in different ways <laughs> down different avenues. But I think that's really where you can find your purpose in life is where you've struggled and how you can help others. Even if it's something like inventing a literal object, mm -hmm. if you struggled with something and now you can help someone not have the same issue. Like that's, if anyone watches Shark Tank, that's like the basis of all these <laughs> products. So, okay. First of all, I can deeply resonate with your upbringing as the child of immigrant parents as well. And I think even beyond that, just generationally speaking, the generation of like millennials parents were just not taught to prioritize mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom, not as much, but my dad, I remember if you brought up any sense of emotion or feeling or any mental health issue, it was like a joke. It's like, oh, really? You have this little cushy life and you're, you have anxiety? How interesting. Because these are people who simply cannot relate. They came over here under all different kinds of circumstances and their only focus in life was literally finding a place to live, working, you know, becoming a citizen, like just doing all these things that there was no time to talk about. Oh, how are you feeling today? Oh, you don't feel great. Like that just wasn't talked about in that way. So I think whether it's because you have immigrant parents or just generationally, your parents come from a generation that does not prioritize mental health. I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Now you mentioned that your mom did experience some anxiety and depression as she got a little bit older. Did she have the tools and the words to identify is this something you're identifying basically on her behalf? So she did know she had, you know, been prescribed medication for it as well. And again, it, unfortunately, because of, you know, the way that society has worked, you know, the decades before us, like you're saying, it's not even their fault that they didn't prioritize mental health because it wasn't glamorous. <laughs> and, and it's, I think, slowly right. becoming not glamorous, but it's, you know, really becoming on that forefront. Um, so she, you know, was diagnosed and she had many different fears, you know, especially when it came to like postpartum and whatnot. 
Um, and so for her, it was very much so the Western style of, of treatment where, okay, we recognize this is the thing that you have. We're just going to give you some medication for it. Take it for 15 days. We'll see what happens. And now, you know, she'll just take it if she's in a really bad spot or, you know, if she flies, for example, um, you know, she'll, she'll uh, use that as like a little security blanket, which I, you know, I'm an advocate of whatever works for you um, and truly works for you. But even when I showcased anxiety, because as we all know, it's not like it's a glass slipper, like it doesn't fit every person's, you know, same archetype and story, and it doesn't look the same on every human being. Um, so even for right. her, because of the way that she was conditioned to speak about mental health, she would then do the same to me by saying, you know, oh, you know, just, you know, just relax and like calm yourself down or that that's not anxiety. Like you're just, you know, in your head about it because I had social anxiety as well, which is not something that she has ever really dealt with as much. Um, and so again, it was, it was, it was an internal battle for her to try and figure out like, why doesn't this look like how it looks like for me, which left her, you know, very helpless. And when I went into my depression, it was, you know, not something that she had ever seen a teenager go through. And the people who know me know that I'm a very bubbly, like energizer bunny, like Tinkerbell status sort of person where, you know, my intention is to always like light up every room that I walk into. So what was happening for them was they were essentially seeing like their, you know, uh, like they were seeing my light dim when I was in private and they were seeing me, you know, act out in ways that did not make sense to them. And so they didn't know how to navigate these new waters. Um, and there still was a lot of stigma around therapy. Like I asked for years to try and, you know, say, oh, I want to go to therapy. People say that I should do that. And it wasn't something that my mom had ever really tried. I don't think, not, not that she's told me, um, or maybe that it even worked for her. So it was really, I was kind of just thrown out there on my own trying to figure it out. And I think because my parents were just so scared of what was happening, all that they knew how to do, which is every parent's instinct is just to like smother and try and like keep this person under your control as much as possible, which you and I both know, and I'm positive everybody listening knows that's not always the most beneficial thing to do for someone who's going through this sort of experience. So if anything, the journey that I've gone through in the last, you know, six years of like massive steps in transforming my, my mental health, um, I now have this beautiful gift of actually being able to share different modalities, tools, and techniques to my mom and, you know, slowly letting her pick and choose what works the best for her. Um, so it's been great to have somebody that can resonate to a degree. Um, but just like, you know, we're all saying, you know, it's, it's so different and then it can look different day to day and our own, you know, attacks or fears or whatnot can change, um, as the years go on. So it's, been incredible to have somebody who understands that I can call and won't think I'm crazy, you know. Um, but it's it's definitely been a massive learning curve for her as much as myself. Yes, I understandably so. Now, through asking for therapy, did you ever get that while you were living with your parents, or did you ever end up going, you know, once you were out on your own? what what is the status of your therapy experience yeah so i did most of the reaching out on my own when i was living with them and when i was in you know my dark night um and i went to a session or two and it wasn't the most effective for me personally um but i did come to a lot of realizations like i didn't know that my thoughts were um you know these, these suicidal thoughts i didn't know that that's was that's what that was considered you know I didn't know that I was reaching pretty much my own capacity of extremes for um depression and so that was very helpful for me to have someone kind of help me to identify that um but it didn't really stick I mean to be honest it wasn't the most accessible thing like the only therapist that I could afford or was on my insurance was like a 40 minute drive and I had newly gotten my license so my parents didn't love the idea of me doing that um and so I dabbled in that a little bit and then, you know, stopped pretty much after two or three sessions. I've found like one or two other therapists in this last year 
Um, you know, I even tried those like apps like BetterHelp or what some there's Talkspace or something, something like that. Um, those yes, did not yes. resonate with me. Um, but I know that they've been extremely useful for other people. Overall, my experience with therapy was very much so on my own, um, actually in secret as well, which is not something that I'm super proud of, but I knew at the end of the day that if I truly needed it, that it was something that I had to, you know, figure out on my own. Um, but for me, therapy is a beautiful thing because it allows you to look back at the past. Um, but with a lot of the therapists that I experienced, and again, it's not everybody's experience, um, it was too much focused on the past. And I was somebody where I looked at the therapist and I was like, okay, you know, are you going to give me homework every week? Like, am I going to have things to take away from this, like worksheets to do, or, you know, like something to focus on or whatever. And they were kind of baffled by this sort of ask. And that's when I realized like, oh, I, therapy doesn't work for me because I'm, I'm future focused in the sense of let's, you know, heal whatever happened in the past. Let's look at it from a constructive way of how we can move forward. Um, so that's why, you know, therapy for me wasn't the modality that worked the best when I found it on my own. Super fair. And what I've always pushed on this podcast, which it seems like you did, is you can't always start and stop at the first therapist you find and be like, that was weird. I didn't like that person. No, thank you. Because you will find therapists who act and treat in all kinds of different ways. Like it is by no means the same experience with every person. So I'm glad at least that you did try a few different people it seems like and even still it wasn't for you so what would you say was the tools you use because it seems obviously that while I'm sure you still struggle with these things because it's kind of um Mm -hmm. it's kind of something that might stay with you Mm -hmm. likely forever um but what what has helped you if therapy wasn't for you I I do want to agree first and foremost that you know we, we, we have an opportunity to look at our mental illnesses as our mental health as a beautiful, like token and indicator of where we are in our life. And as I've become extremely more self-aware through various techniques like journaling or um, meditation and just practicing mindfulness in, in different ways from, you know, taking time to actually sit and chew my food and think about it as I'm eating to, you know, incorporating more like intuitive movement. Um, That has made me a more self-aware person. And in in doing so, I can now navigate when I, you know, will kind of lean back into my depressive tendencies and go, okay, I'm acknowledging that I'm here. I'm going to take the time to to sit with it. Right. Um, But I want to figure out like, why am I out of alignment in this way? So my greatest tool and the one that is where my, I guess, biggest expertise lies in, um, is truly connecting back to our inner child. And what I mean when I say inner child is not that traumatized kid that sits in the corner that, you know, was beat up and bullied as a kid. And it's also not, you know, the inner child version of us that's like, oh, like go and play on the playground and like play pretend and crawl on the floor. And you are more than welcome to look at your inner child as either way. But for me, your inner child is your Jiminy Cricket. They are the thing that sits on your shoulder, is your greatest mentor. And in every moment, you have the opportunity of making a choice, whether it's a choice of action, behavior, or thought, you can choose that based off of what is going to serve your best self, like I was saying earlier, your, you know, your most aligned self by connecting back into the truth of your inner child. Um, And I know the technique itself doesn't seem like a very tangible thing until you really dive into it and begin to realize that we all have this version of ourselves. I always say pick an age between, you know, zero and seven or zero and 10 that you get to dress up and externalize. And because us as humans, especially as women, we are so good at taking care of things outside of ourselves that when you take the moment to externalize your mini you outside of you and begin to promise to serve them in the best way possible, you in turn are doing that for yourself. So I'll give an example to, you know, make this more, you know, practical and, and uh, hands-on is 
when I, you know, last year, the good old 2020, you know, was hands down one of the hardest years for me in a mental health perspective, while also it was one of the most profound and transformative years for my mental health. But in saying that, you know, there were multiple times where I was slipping back into that depressive tendency that I had remembered years ago. And within those moments, I would try and pull out, you know, okay, how can I serve my inner kiddo? Like, is she here? Is she upset? How is she feeling right now? And for me, I know when I'm super, you know, deep into that, that hole for, again, a lack of better words, um, I need like a photo of her to remind me, how would I speak to her right now? How would I let her know that she is safe and that she is okay, that she's allowed to feel these feelings? And I like, I have a little photo of, of me as a little kid on as my desktop wallpaper forever, because I always get to check back in with her. So that tool has been hands down the most incredible tool ever. And it's cool because it's freaking free and you can pull it out whenever you want and no one needs to even know you're Mm -hmm. doing it. Like you can do it on the subway with your eyes open or closed. Um, And it's, it's extremely transformative and it's what really lights my fire up when I go, I'm not asking you to spend hundreds of dollars at therapy, making yourself feel uncomfortable, telling tales about you know, your youth or your, you know, high school experience. And on the other side of it, I'm not asking you to go and like get your chakras realigned and like, you know, smoke weed and like, you know, get to these transcendental places. I'm merely asking you to look at yourself, look at that mini you and ask them, you know, what makes us smile? What makes us laugh? What were the best moments of our lifetime? And the more and the closer and closer we get to remembering who we were at our core, the more we realize that the trauma surrounding our experience and what is for the most part in my experience, dictating our mental illnesses, we are able to melt that and reprogram that and give it this like warm blanket to kind of dissolve itself into. Um, And that just leads you closer and closer to your best self while also allowing you to know how to get back to your homeostasis when you feel those ebbs and flows of depression or anxiety or bipolar or whatever, you know, you have on your plate. Yes. Okay. You just said some stuff that was so interesting and profound to me. My mind is like going, but in a great way. So when oftentimes I have a best friend who we our communication style, like we're just always speaking of like from, we'll always reference our inner child. And when we're hurting, we always talk about our inner child and we wonder where that comes from. But oftentimes when I bring my inner child into the conversation, I'm talking about a time where I acted poorly. So I, like my reaction was too much, or I went right into crying instead of communicating like those moments are when I reference my inner child so I thought your perspective was so interesting and so beautiful that really the inner child is actually like your Jiminy Cricket the person on your shoulder who actually knows the right things of what you need and want and obviously yes part of inner child work I do the inner child work where you you know try to sit with your inner child and figure out what are you actually needing in this moment? But I love your perspective of a more just seeing your inner child more positively as opposed to like the traumatized version of you, which is kind of how I've always perceived my inner child. It serves us in the highest good when we just realize that this is our neutral space to come back to at all times. And the more that we allow ourselves to heal the timeline backwards, kind of, um, I mean, I won't get like, you know, too profound, um, but, you know, time is like, as a construct, like we've created it, right? Um, So if you take that moment to understand that Mm -hmm. right now, you know, where your inner child would quickly run to having that exasperation of emotion, which not that I'm going to coach you on this call, but, you know, listening to how, you know, your parents raised you and our parents only do the best that they can, truly. Um, so we, we can never, you know, be upset at that. We can Absolutely. forgive and forget and, and move on. Um, but, you know, 
if, for example, you were a person who was told to constantly repress your emotions for so many ways, um, when something were to trigger you, it was like, you know, an eruption. And, and that eruption was also looked at as a poor thing because yep. it was an expression of yourself. And so like you were noticing as you get older, every time that that happens, you're just repeating the pattern that your subconscious brain was that that had been so cemented into your subconscious brain, you know, by no fault of your own, just merely the environment or the things that you were told or even that you saw and experienced. So the really cool thing and what really gets me jazzed up is so often all that it is is merely experiences and narratives and and one phrase that somebody somebody told you about something that has now dictated you know years and years and years later how you view money or how you view somebody with a different opinion than you or how big of a dreamer you are or even like what it's come down to you know within you know very specific parts of relationships and how you show up in relationships um for me a lot of my inner child healing that really changed my life through a modality called breath work um was i actually was able to uncover stories that my subconscious had forced me to forget so as to you know with air quotes protect me um around times that i was you know abused is a strong word but that i was you know inappropriately put into experiences that I didn't want to experience and that that had trickled into all of my romantic relationships. And it wasn't until I did these things where I dove back into who this person was and how that shaped who I am today, where I go, Oh my goodness, I finally get it. You know, can I write a love letter to her to let her know about that? You know, I have a client who we've made it, um, we made it a thing where every morning she has to sit her inner child on her vanity as she's getting ready and check in with her and ask her like, what are energy levels like today? Like, how can we do this better today? Or da, 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 da. And she has these amazing conversations with herself um, that actually teach her more about herself than, you know, any other book really could. Um, and that's why there's so much power in when we can finally just look at that kiddo as the most neutral thing and if we were to go into like their memory bank, we can rewrite them and repaint them or put a little, you know, um, what's that? Like a little, like a, like an asterisk to let them know, like, yes, while this did happen to you, we no longer have it play out in that way in our lives. So we can look back at it and go, hmm, I understand why that person spoke to me the way that they did and why that made me act the way that I have so far. But I'm going back to go, I'm understanding where that person was coming from, seeing how it affected me, and now allowing myself to go, I no longer need those words to affect me because in my real life, they have actually been proven to be false. Um, so, and anyways, there's, there's a lot of really, really cool work and I could talk about it for hours and hours, but like you're saying, I think one of my biggest takeaways is I really want people to understand that your inner child is neutral and that they are, you know, your Jiminy Cricket um, and they are there to guide you in a way that doesn't have to feel like a total out-of-body experience of like um a cereal box and they're like dude serena like look at what i got today and i was like okay and they're like no you don't get it like i used to want this cereal all the time my mom would never let me buy it and now i bought it for myself for the first time because i told myself that i was deserving of that and i'm allowed to have that and just like i'm t i know it sounds silly but just those small things those small ways of reparenting yourself to go you know what, buddy? We're the adults. We're in control now. We're going to get you whatever the heck that you want then trickles into, oh, you know, in a meeting with my boss, I'm going to ask for a raise because I know I freaking deserve it. And I'm allowed to receive that. Yes, absolutely. It's so important. Now, I want to talk to you about everything you do professionally and how you got there. Um, so, my listeners know this, so I'll just give you a shortened version, but um, I went to school for psychology, my undergrad. I always had a plan to get my master's, but I started working immediately out of college. And then 2020 came and I was like, oh, there's so much time to go back to school. And I started to look into pursuing my master's and long story short, that did not work out. And I was talking to my old therapist 
kind of brainstorming with her because I was so devastated that the master's program wasn't an option for me. And to me, my calling was to be a counselor or a therapist of some kind. It's the message Mm -hmm. that has repeated itself over and over and over in my life. And I've said on this podcast, like you cannot ignore if, if you're constantly being told, Oh my God, you'd be great at X, Y, Z. Like that is the universe basically yelling at you via human vessels. So I was like, so devastated. I'm like, how, how could this be this? I know what this is. And she was like, have you ever considered life coaching? And I was like, ew, no. And I don't know why that was my reaction, but it was. And I actually told Sean this just a week or two ago, but after I talked to him for the first time, he happened to say he was a life coach, which I wasn't really aware Mm -hmm. of. I knew him and his wife did coaching, but I saw it from like a nutritional standpoint. And I was like, wait, that guy is a life coach. So I started looking into it more. And basically there was one sentence that Sean said that changed my entire perspective of coaching. And because I am so therapy obsessed, therapy happy, to me, the word therapy is like, it's my favorite word in the dictionary, but to so many others and arguably to most others, it's kind of a word that people are a little bit averse to. And when you, when you are a life coach and you provide coaching, that word is so much more tolerable for people that it's actually a more widely accepted method of healing. So that was the ultimate perspective and it was exactly what Mm -hmm. I needed because I was seeing it as less than for whatever reason. And so I'm starting my certification literally here in two weeks. So I want to know from you, how did you start this? Like I basically in just a couple months time went from saying absolutely not to coaching to being now obsessed with the idea of it. So I am curious as to how you got into it. How did you hear about this? Which has been a very intuitive process and like a weird intuitive process like when I tell this story to people they're like "Mm," and I'm like dude I know there's like way too many coincidences but if you believe in that sort of stuff like it's very real um so like I was alluding to um before absolutely so I've I've been a professional actor since I was six years old um I'm a Gemini and my sun and my moon I've been acting singing and dancing you know forever and it brings me so much joy to be on a stage to be in front of people and to make them feel something you know like I know the kiddos are going to enjoy it I know the moms are going to have a blast but if I can look into the audience which you know in a massive theater you really can't see anybody but sometimes in those first couple of rows I can see people if I'm close enough um I did live theater that I should have prefaced with that um so if I can see people in the first couple of rows if I can see you know, a dad who brought their kid to see Little Women, the musical, shed a tear or be so in like, just so focused in this process and more beautifully come up to me afterwards and say, thank you so much for reminding me of the things that I had forgotten about myself. You know, if anyone knows about Little Women and and that story, it's about, you know, becoming a writer or not just becoming a writer, but finding the thing you're passionate about and going after it almost blindly um, and about family and love and relationships and trust. Um, And I just remembered so many instances throughout my career where I have genuinely somehow magically transformed people's lives just by performing. And I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. But again, as the world works, society loves to try and imprint on us how we should be serving. Um, You know, and I, again, being a first generation born here, neither of my parents have bachelor's Mm -hmm. degrees. They just had like, you know, two year um, uh, certificates and whatnot. Um, And so it was like, well, you have to go to university. You have to do something bigger, like Broadway's there when you're ready. Um, You know, you have access to it whenever you want, but like, you need to have a degree, you need to have a job, Um, which is fair for them, totally fair for them to say that. Um, And so in, you know, in many turns of events, I, I was just on I was just on this mission to make my parents proud and to make me feel good and find something that worked for me. And I changed my major three times. I went to two different universities in two different countries um, and just continuously trying to follow that path, all while knowing that I had this deeper story to tell and this story of my own 
journey in, in becoming who I am to today to share. I just didn't know what that looked like. And as I'm positive, many people listening to this also can relate, or especially if you've seen the movie mm -hmm. um, Pixar's Soul that just came out, I was that. You know, I was 22 for the longest time where I had such a tight grip on what my purpose was supposed to be. Like, I was 18 and like hell bent on just figuring it out. And I would always say like, I wish I was a damn doctor. Like, you know, like it's so much easier to be a doctor because you know exactly where you have to go and what you have to do. Um, and instead I was just thrown a bunch of things that I was really good at, like a Jill of all trades, yep. truly. Um, but, you know, the, the more and more I did my own healing and the more I just allowed myself to be open to all these different possibilities, the more that I realized, like, I, you know, we're never going to have it all figured out. Like, we're all, you know, adults that are just BSing as much as possible. And there's beauty in that. Um, and as I was saying, it was only pretty much this last two years that I really leaned into, you know, there's something else here. Um, I've been a personal trainer for about three years now, um, and I was able to transform lives in that way. And I was also a little, you know, therapist in those sessions because, you know, movement is a vehicle to to ultimate change regardless. And so I just kept stepping into, you know, maybe there's a different way that I can serve that I haven't seen yet. Um, and while I was searching all of this, like I was applying to law school, like I thought I was going to be an environmental lawyer, like, you know, all these sorts of things. Um, and, and, you know, things that I definitely would have succeeded in, right? Like when you're people yep. like us who are so passionate about things, like if you tell me to sell ice to an Eskimo, I'll do it and I'll love it for the rest of my life. But truly, you know, I wasn't serving myself from the deepest place. So to try and make the story a little bit shorter, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I stepped into, okay, nope. well, yes. I'm really good at talking. I'm really good at being a teacher and coaching. You know, I, I have enough, enough like credentials to know that I can talk using both experience and the various sorts of counseling I'd learned as a nutritionist, as well as for my own degree and knowing a, a bit about business and all those sorts of different things. Um, you know, I was like, let me just step into this world and dabble. And I'll be the first to very openly and vulnerably say that I very much so have felt like an imposter in this space because being a coach is very unregulated. You know, being a life coach is, is a word that everyone loves to throw around. And personally for me, I believe that there's almost similarly to acting, which I don't think is something you can teach to somebody, which I know is a very controversial opinion, but, um, I think becoming a life coach or being a mentor or being in this space of guiding transformation, I think really has to come from your innate ability and desire to have gone through your own transformation and be, to be committed to that process. So I don't have any fancy life coaching, you know, certificates. And if that bothers a client, then they're not my ideal client. Um, and it's not to say that there isn't value in those sorts of things because there 110% is, and I'm positive, you know, I could potentially be a better coach if I had those. Um, but I always lean into what feels the most aligned for me. And the process has been highly intuitive. I mean, this whole inner child healing came to me as what I call like an intuitive download. And I know you had Sean on this podcast, so I don't know how much he kind of went into his own spirituality and woo. Um, but it truly came to me in a very visceral way that when I share it with people like Sean, who are, you know, what I would look up to as like, you know, eight like years beyond me and experience wise, you know, they're like, where did you get this from? Like, where is this? Like, where did this come from? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. It just, it just feels natural to share. And it hasn't actually been until, like I said, this last year, even the last six months that I've decided you know what? I'm leaning into every single part of myself. I'm leaning into the light worker part of myself. I'm leaning into my, you know, badass version of me that I call like the Gary V meets Tinkerbell. I can be both. Um, and I'm allowed to hold space for people who resonate with that. And for those who don't, I'm not the person for them. And so, you know, if anyone is listening and, and doesn't, you know, if you and your job, whether, you know, you're in social work or, or a therapist or a doctor or none of the above, but you feel a calling towards doing this sort of transformation work, you know, while diving, like dive into it, like get messy, like do messy action, obviously as ethically as humanly possible, because there are a lot of ethics involved in this sort of field. Um, but knowing that if your true intention, if your true why is to serve others from a place 
of you serving yourself, then I truly don't believe you'll ever fail. And I, I really don't believe that you could ever do it unethically on purpose. So, you know, not that you're looking for advice, but if I were to give advice to someone who wants to lean into the space or learn more, I would say, follow the pings and the nudges, which is what you were getting. Follow those repetitive things that have come up. For me, recently, it's been breath work. I've done a lot of breath work, like I had said, it's really changed my life and, and opened up parts of me I had never thought I could tap into. And it kept coming up multiple, multiple, multiple times this last month. And I knew I wanted something else to like, you know, add to my my tool belt is what I call it. And then this morning I signed up for a facilitator training um, at the end of the month. And I was like, yes, this feels in perfect alignment for me. So I just say like, the more you can lean into those things, the more that you allow yourself to experience things that you never in a million years thought you would enjoy or even ever tap into. Like my parents look at me like I'm crazy nowadays because they're like, who are you? Like, what, what is like where you're like this barefooted hippie that like, you know, as much as she like loves her woo and like all this like mindset, holistic law of attraction manifestation, like I can still like crunch the numbers and I love a good, you know, calculus worksheet just for shits and giggles because I love math um but like you can be both in those spaces that was a really really tangent but I hope it was valuable (laughs) no oh my god absolutely and it's I I it's funny because I wanted to find a way to ask something without being insulting and you just said it without me having to ask And it was that you felt you have felt like an imposter in this space. And that is my biggest concern. I'm like, who am I? I'm just going to throw life coach on my Instagram page and start coaching people like, like who gave me that? And I never had that feeling with becoming a licensed mental health counselor because I was going to have to pay $60,000, go to school for four years, take many tests, write many papers. So then by the end of that, you're like, "Uh, yeah, no shit. I'm a mental health counselor. I have. Uh, all this proof for you. But then in this space, it's kind of like, no, I just have this calling and I have these experiences. And And I'm very honest in saying this, like, it'll be a daily thing for me sometimes, which I know is not my truth, because it's just coming from a place of my ego trying to protect me in this space where, you know, people will be, you know, especially on Instagram, like attacking or canceling, you know, certain individuals. And again, and, and I and I and I might get ripped about this on the podcast, and that's okay because I'm still open to learn and open to to have this conversation and discussion. Of we can even look at professionals, like you said, who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to be in the spaces they are with the certificates that they have and the PhDs and the white coat and whatever. And we know from experience that they still have not been able to serve us because their intention was never to do so in the beginning. Because they got into that work, but maybe even maybe in the beginning they got into that work because they truly loved it or they wanted to serve. And maybe down the line, other things, you know, muddied the waters for them. I mean, I'm positive all of us have a story with a, a you know a, a poor dentist or a poor you know a doctor or even just a, a nurse that you were like, why did you choose this profession? Like you are not fit for this. Um, and I always come back to that thing of if I know at my core that I'm always going to serve from a transparent place. Like I'm not gonna lie about not having any sort of certificates to make other people comfortable. But again, the people who have hired me are individuals very similar to me who go, I am ready to dive in with your energy because I want what you have and I wanna find how I can cultivate that within myself. So who are we to tell people that, oh no, wait, let me take a course that someone else is gonna teach me how to tell you to live life. Like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm going to come at it from a space of, you know, I figured out the ways that have worked for me and make me happy. And I'm more than happy to share that with you and guide you and hold space. Like, when I say coach, you know, I'm actually leaning away from the word coach and more into the mentorship space because I love to teach almost more than I love to coach. And I always say, like, we just hold a container. We hold a space for a person that was never held for them before. And I really don't believe that a degree is necessary for you to get there when you're coming from a genuine and ethical place and you're not stealing coaching ideas from somebody off the internet or you're not, you know, doing therapy when you're not allowed to be, you know, to give therapy advice and whatnot. Like there is a fine line, even in the fitness world, like 
becoming a personal trainer is very easy. Um, and that is even more dangerous. I think sometimes if you're, if you look at some of the trainers we have out there and the cultures that have been created because of that are extremely dangerous. Um, and you know, depends on where they're coming from, but in that same realm, this field that we're in, um, is similar and you really have to discern those things for yourself and, and figure out what corner, like I said before, like what corner of the sky you wish to carve out. For me, that's really a lot of that re subconscious reprogramming and really getting people to do the work um, to recognize that they had it within themselves the entire time. Yes. And another thing that you said that I think is so important is that you come from, mm -hmm. you approach your mentorship because of your own work you've done and how seriously you've taken your own work. And I think that's the most profound thing. Every single person who has told me, you should be a counselor, you should be a therapist. Obviously, again, I do not have any mm -hmm. formal training as a therapist. So the only ways they're hearing me speak in I is the ways I've learned through healing. So that is the best teacher at the end of the day. Because if you really think about school, uh, do you remember anything you really learned? Like mm -hmm. besides fun facts, like you, you just don't, that's, it's a good supplement. And especially if you're actually a licensed mental health counselor, there are absolutely some things you need to learn. Um, but the best teacher is experience and having done this work on your own before you can share it with others. And it's a, it's a very unique glass slipper for every single human being. And we can go into those things like my breathwork, you know, facilitator. Um, I really resonate with the way that, that she approaches these things. And I have tangible access to her knowledge in this training. Um, and that's what made me go, okay, I'm going to learn her school of thought and I'm going to see how it goes and then mold it into my own thing. Um, because that's what people are going to want at the end of the day. Like it still is a business as much as I, you know, hate having to be in that energy of it, but like it is like, we're all trying to make a living, you know, and it's okay to be in that space and know that you get to mold it for yourself. And like, you're saying like, you know, there is a massive difference. If someone were to come to me and I've turned clients away who, you know, for example, they're like, Oh, I'm clinically depressed and I'm on, you know, high amounts of medication or whatever, whatever, and whatnot. And, you know, I have to see if that resonates with my own scope. And if it's out of my scope, it's out of my scope. Just like how fitness trainers, personal trainers are not allowed to give nutritionist advice. And nobody knows that aside from the trainer. And so they work outside of their scope a lot and they're not supposed to. And that is an ethics problem. But, you know, I can trust in you in knowing that if you were, if someone came up to you mm -hmm. and you knew that this was not something that you felt confident in coaching this person with, and it didn't align with you, then they are not your ideal client. And, and hopefully we all, you know, with people who want to step into that field have the ethics and, you know, the, what's that word? Like the conscience enough to go, you're, you know, I'm not going to have you pay for this service that I like ethically just cannot help you with and that's okay because it's not going to be a conducive relationship for either of you yeah and that is my main concern with anyone who offers any kind of healing or counseling especially in the world of social media everyone is just not everyone that's such a blanket statement there are so many people claiming to be healers counselors coaches so on and so forth who kind of hopped on the bandwagon as opposed to following an actual individual calling so it's it's frightening so that's why I like I already have started feeling like an imposter and I am not even taking clients yet I'm going through the certification just to know how the business of it works like how to approach it but like I, I'm already like, wait, what am I doing? <laughs> because mm -hmm. I just get so nervous of people who claim, because you can literally just claim to be anything on social media and you can put pictures that make it look like it's true. And then now people are paying for your services. So this episode will come out um, after two episodes where I discuss the positive and negative sides of spirituality. And the negative side is obviously 
imposters, like actual imposters. So then there's people like you who are so yes. authentic, who are having imposter syndrome. Yes, I want. I was and it's hoping you the people who are actually like, imposters don't have any mind of imposter cycle, syndrome. It's because like, they care a lot, <laughs> and that means that you should go for it. In my opinion, you know. yes exactly <laughs> like it's it's always no, the people no, who are actually right. in the wrong that never had a concern to begin with they are not up thinking about this whatsoever now how did you become a public speaker and how what does that mean how does that work <laughs> um, what do you I, I what do you talk about do you how do you um, just like you, know, you just show up at a place and you're like i have things to say you want to do in life and there's a title you want just freaking give it to yourself like just <laughs> I mean, okay, with obviously you can't just put doctor in front of your name, but like in that sense, like if there's, you know, you want to proclaim something as who you are, then do it. Um, and, and in lieu of that, like I said, I grew up on stage. I feel the most comfortable, the most confident, the most me when I'm on stage. And in the work that I've done as an actor, I've had to be on the radio hundreds of thousands of times, not thousands, not thousands, hundreds of times. Um, I've had to be in front of the camera hundreds of times on different stages, on panels, award shows, like all these sorts of things. And I didn't know until this last year well, I, I knew in my gut, right? Like we all kind of know what we're destined for. It's like a very murky, sometimes foggy image. Um, somewhere in that image, I knew my soul was craving to speak on stages, like yes. forever. And while acting burned me out because I did it for so long at such a young age, for many, many, it was a full-time job in addition to going to school. Um, that I truly did get burned out and the industry itself. I, I don't love the entertainment industry. It doesn't, it doesn't align with me um, and who I am as a person. And, you know, I always say maybe one day I'll go back, but I digress. Um, being a, a public speaker is doing exactly mm -hmm. what we're doing right now. You know, speaking on podcasts, speaking on radios, um, you know, guest coaching for people's events being, you know, now that a lot of things are virtual, like, you know, doing workshops and all that sort of stuff. It, it, lights my soul in a way that I didn't know and because I grew up as a as an actor and it's very natural to me to you know enunciate properly and and use good tone and I have very good comedic timing and I'm a very good storyteller when I learned that you could make money being a speaker and that you could travel the world and have that be your thing I was hooked um, so, you know, now literally, I mean, I have my own podcast, which allows me to just do whatever the heck I want and talk to really cool people and make community that way. Mm. But when I tell you being on a podcast and being able to talk for an hour about my story and the things that light me up and, and being able to, you know, paint this story just for myself, even in front of me is 110%. Like I'm vibing at like my highest frequency right now. And so I want to thank you for giving me that, that opportunity and space to do that because you know I always say and oh I hope you, everybody's listening to this part I always say you are the opposite end of someone else's manifestation and you my dear you know how is is my manifestation of giving me another opportunity another beautiful podcast that resonates with me to share my story and for that I am so incredibly grateful for um so I'm hoping you know I'm hoping that I really get to lean more into the things that that light me up and as I move slightly potentially away from the coaching space more into that mentorship and teaching space that I'll you know be I am working towards that goal of mine which is truly just to be on stage and 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 change lives from that way and and light people up and make them laugh or make them cry and make them feel something um is 110% what I'm the most excited for and actively you know manifesting right now so <laughs> you just caused another perspective change for me so thank you you're killing it yeah um I was like public speaking is so scary and then you said a podcast is public speaking and I'm like oh <laughs> like actually I'm basically 50 episodes deep I've been public speaking for the no, last 10 months it, but exactly I am I here thinking like, public speaking means that I'm buying like a podium on a stage and I'm like speaking. oh that's I mean, not for me <laughs> even like writing and being featured on a blog is a form of you know sharing your message so 
we're all natural born speakers. Um, some people are better at it than others. And then some people like me, chatty Cathy's are destined for it. <laughs> so. Absolutely. No, it's amazing. Now, what does your ideal future look like when you say mentorship and teaching? Are you are you heading away from that one-on-one -on -one space to more of like you know, an open forum, it's, public speaking it's type of situation, traveling I to speak to people? What does that really look like for you? really open to discovering. And I'm really learning to, and I know I've used this word a lot, but really learning to lean into what is meant for me and what is at my highest good. Um, and yeah, I, I would love to not have as many one-on-one -on -one containers, you know, pretty much like if at all, um, instead I, I would really just love to lead workshops and lead retreats forever and travel and be on stage and speak at universities and schools. And, you know, I'm building a curriculum as a separate business for schools in terms of mindset and whatnot. And that like being a little badass CEO, like really lights my soul on fire, but knowing that it's, it's okay for it to be a slow burn. And I'm saying that out loud to remind myself that it is okay. Because I mean, as anybody can tell, like I'm, I've got a lot of energy. I'm very hyperactive. I, I love to be moving as fast as possible. And so learning to slow down and allow things to happen when they're meant to is very difficult for me. But I also know that with every single thing that I've done, including thinking that I was going to go to law school and taking the LSAT and sitting and studying for that for months and spending money on it and then never doing it was an experience that taught me something and led me one step closer to who I truly am and who I'm truly meant to be aligned with. So, I mean, yeah, keep us, keep, keep an eye on my space. I guess I just launched my first free course. Um, it's called aligned as fuck and you, and essentially it's, it's three days, two videos and one, you know, downloadable activity um, where you essentially get to step into or step out of feeling stuck and stepping into finding how to get onto that most aligned path. Um, and then from there, I'm working on a massive like eight module course um, that I'm really excited to to share and build a community around. And, and, you know, I'll say this out loud, like I'm actively trying to manifest that that is the way that I can go because I know that that spills my cup way more. And that's just a personal choice, of course. Um, but knowing that, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it doesn't, maybe in a year I'll be like, Hmm, that wasn't it. But for now, I'm really feeling all of the guidance towards, you know, I, I say it, as I'm saying it out loud, I can like really, really picture it. of just like being back on stage where I feel the most at home. And when we're allowed to travel again and travel freely, really being able to share what I think is a really unique message, you know, this intuitive inner child work that I'm doing with people, um, is something that, you know, I believe in a world where our, our inner child is our greatest mentor. And I believe in the power of that, you know, imagining what a room of high profile individuals who are making very important decisions in terms of policy or community or whatnot, if they were all operating from a place of, of acknowledging their own truth through their inner child, that I think we would all be in a much better place. And so that's my biggest why as well. And I'm excited to, to uncover that. Yes. And you, the point of the slow burn is so important <laughs> because I've had, I'm 28 years old and I caught myself having a meltdown about not having written a book. And I was like, am I okay? Write a book about what? You barely lived a life. Like you just get caught on these things because so something that I feel that I know I will just like you've had your knowings mm -hmm. of absolutely what you will do. Obviously mm -hmm. it could take different forms, but one of my knowings is that I will have something in a written form that has to do with sharing my message. Maybe it's not a book, <laughs> maybe it's in another form, but because I have that in my body every day, I'm like, I didn't yeah. write a book today. And it's yes. like, oh, wait, like let yourself continue to experience things. And maybe all of this leads up to that. Like it's the rush. And I have that same like energy getting stuff done now. And it has obviously served me greatly has obviously served you greatly. It's mm -hmm. the reason that people like us get things done. And when we say something, 
happens and yeah, we what, like, literally always get what we want so eventually but then for the like, things that you just, just go, naturally okay, take like, longer we're like really um what's going on ahead and get there but like we just have to enjoy where we're at right now which is so so hard but I always think like if that's coming through so viscerally for you and like it feels like you're in a rush it I just think it's merely because your timeline is so connected like you're just in so much alignment in those moments of believing that that you you already know it's going to play out somehow some weird magical way you know it's going to play out you know you're destined for that and just the excitement of like your future self kind of talking to your present self like can kind of like warp that timeline a little bit where you're like what the heck like I can see it why is it here yet you know yes absolutely Okay, so I want everyone to know where to find you, Absolutely. So how the to find place you, is so give Instagram. us the whole spiel. Uh, it's at Serena Abalian. Um, I won't spell it out for you. I think it's so awkward when people do that. Um, but I'm positive you'll have it in the show notes. Um, but that's where you can find me. My DMs are always open. And don't be weirded out if I send you a voice or a video message back. That's just how I roll. Um, but seriously, I'm so glad for this opportunity. Like I said, I do have a free course um that that is there that I highly recommend you guys take and let me know how it goes we've already been building a really cool community and it just launched today um so I'm excited to see that grow but yeah just Instagram at Serena Abalian amazing thank you so much I can't wait to share your page and your information with everyone and I know you and I will yeah, see you on stage one day or sign to see how our journeys evolve. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait. Absolutely. Thank you so much for All having right, me. All right, Serena, I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. All righty, bye.